Hello, my warrior loves. Welcome to Beyond Body, a mini series where we are exploring body image and how to change the internal and external scripts that influence the way you think and feel about your own body. Subscribe and follow along to hear real life stories and experiences on the path to body image healing. Now, if negative body image is holding you back and fueling your eating disorder, listen up. This February, we are curating a small, intimate group of warriors for Beyond Body, a six-month body image accelerator program that brings together tangible practices you can call on for the rest of your life and an intimate group format for deep learning, healing, and integration. Now, we officially start in March, so February is the time to get your application in and get on a discovery call to see if Beyond Body is for you. Beyond Body is a safe container designed for women in their mid to late 30s, 40s, and 50s who want to do real long-lasting work to improve their body image so this one precious life can be enjoyed more fully and freely. With the right approach, skills, and support, body dissatisfaction doesn't have to hold you back in your relationships and career. If you want to make this the year you do deeper body image healing work during the spring and summer months, request an invite to apply for Beyond Body at recoverywarriors.com beyond. Spots are limited, so get yours in now by requesting an invite to apply at recoverywarriors.com beyond. And today I am with Andrea Wells, the host of Recover Strong, and we're going to be doing a deep dive into Andrea's body image journey. So Andrea, so excited to have you here to dive deeper on this topic and go through this question by question. <laughs> Thank you. I'm excited. I mean, obviously sh I've shared a lot about my history and my journey on the podcast channel, but this will be our first time really breaking it down, kind of going from then and now. And I'm, I'm excited. I'm an open book. Uh -huh. I'll, I'll share it all. <laughs> yes, I know you are. Let's, yeah. <laughs> let's crack let's crack this book open and start reading. Uh so, you know, at what age did you first become aware that your body was something to manage or keep small and you know what was going on in your life at that time? Mm. So this probably started like elementary school year years. It's hard to pinpoint an exact year. Um I remember I was about 6 years old in first grade and realizing that I'm fat. Like another student called me fat. And I'm like, I am fat. Like I'm a little bigger than everyone. And I recognize realizing when I was bigger, because I've always been big. I was born big. I was a 10 pound, two foot long newborn. Like I've yeah. always been like, I was always the tallest kid in my class. Like I was oh, always big. I, yeah, I am tall. Yes. <laughs> and I remember that awareness that my body was a little, was different or a little bigger. And then I remember around age eight, so maybe a couple of years later, a consciousness of that this is something that I need to change and keep small. Honestly, I think younger, seven. I remember a specific moment where, you know, when you're a kid and, and you go to the dentist and they have like the little um, cavity-free wall of fame. Did you ever have that? Mm, yeah, yeah, like all the kids. That, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and they would like this is the '90s, so they like take your Polaroid and you'd put it. They put your picture up on the wall, and I remember. I got that a couple of times. So I went for a checkup when I was like six, got my little picture on the wall. And then I went for a checkup again when I was seven. And I remember my dad and I looking at the picture from last year and he was like, oh, you were slimmer then. And I, he's saying that to me when I'm seven years old. And I was like, oh, okay, so I'm supposed to be slimmer. And not really even knowing what that means or how to be slimmer or how I got bigger. Like 
really being so young to not even understand that, just knowing that like, okay, like dad said I was slimmer then. He seemed happier about that. He seems less happy about me being bigger now. And then as, you know, I start turning eight, my dad starts talking to me a lot about calories and weight loss and weight gain. And so I would say eight is when it really fully hit like, okay, like your body is something you can make smaller based on what you eat. And society, dad saying this, it's backed up by society that you should be smaller. And going on at that time, I was, um, my dad has been my main caregiver for a lot of my life. But at that time, up until I was eight, I was living with my mom as well. So that time in my life, it was like typical the on paper, um, the what do they call it, the nuclear family, mom, dad, me, my sister. Um, but my dad was definitely like that had more influence, especially when it came to body size and food and diet and all that. So that's where I was. That's when it started. <laughs> was he concerned about that himself? Like was this something that he also like pays a lot of attention to him personally, like in his own yes. life? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know that he <laughs> he may not know this or see it the same way. I know that he has to this day struggles with, you know, disordered eating and himself. So yeah, it was absolutely something that he put on himself. He put on me. He put on strangers. It was something he's always talking about to this day. <laughs> People's body sizes and liking them when they're smaller and liking them less when they're bigger. What about your mom? My mom, uh, she never. You, again, to this day, has uh, never really talked about my body. Um, she's, I guess I feel it's nice to kind of feel safe to be who I am and n- never have those comments from her. She really didn't have a lot to say about it, which is good. Um, but she also, especially after I was eight, was not as present in my life. So that influence maybe impacted less. I think maybe ideally she could have been like, dad, shut up, but <laughs> that didn't happen. Um, so yeah, not not so much from her. It was really fully from my dad, which I think is a little bit different. I think a lot of people get that more from their mom. Yeah. I think it varies or, or siblings too, like yeah, it can happen or other family members. What was your biggest body insecurity then? And you know, how has this insecurity evolved for you? Yeah. Um, I think just always being the big kid, like even regardless of body size, I looked older than everyone in my class. Like I went through puberty (laughs) before anyone else. I was the tallest. I had the biggest feet. So I just always felt so insecure about being big. And like there's a time when you go to like the theme park with your friends and some of them are short enough to get on the kids rides and you're too tall. Like you like you have to be within certain height recommendations, but also I could get on the adult rides, which was cool. But it just it gave this feeling of like, or like when you're a teenager and friends are sharing clothes and you can't share clothes because you're bigger than them. So I just, just a general body insecurity about being big, whether that's tall, wide. um, It made me feel really different and other, or like when you line up in class based on your height, I was always the last one in, in line. Like I just always felt big. It made me feel different. It made me feel wrong. Um, Definitely more with like weight, like the height, yeah, I did feel a little weird being taller, looking older than people. But I think more than anything, it was like I wasn't totally skinny. And that was really hard for me. And I think it's evolved now to where, you know, through a lot of healing and a lot of therapy and eating disorder recovery. Like I just, it is what it is. Like I'm still a big person in a world that still values smaller bodies. That's still the case. But I know now that I don't 
personally subscribe to that for myself or for anyone. So I'm in a, a much better place where I know my worth. I don't think there's anything wrong with me. I think bodies come in all shapes and sizes. And I think that's beautiful. And I feel I feel okay about it now. Like, do I still have some days where I struggle? Of course, it's hard not to when you hear like messages about weight loss or people valuing smaller bodies. Like that's still here and that still affects me. But I think I'm much more at a place where I don't so much see that as a problem with myself and internalize it like I did for so much of my life. I really just kind of see it as a, a societal problem. And does it hurt sometimes? Yes, but it's not ruling my life anymore. Mm. Yeah, like that where you're saying it's like, it's society, it's not me. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, how did food and exercise tie into the way you tried to fit a body ideal? And yeah, how do you see that differently today? So like, did did food and exercise, I mean, of course, you've shared some of your eating disorder uh, history, but yeah, how did that tie into you trying to become smaller and not be the big kid? Yeah, um, I probably started dieting. Like I was aware and I had comments from dad again in elementary school years saying you should be doing this, but being a kid and not really knowing how or um, but I I think I maybe took ownership of it. Like, okay, well, I have to eat less. I need to move more to be skinny, to be worthy, to be acceptable. That probably started, I want to say I first intentionally did that around age 12, maybe 11 or 12. And that's when I first went on a diet, which turned into pretty intense restriction. Um, My body changed a lot. And then society is, everyone around you is like, oh, good for you. This is so great. And you're like, okay, yay. Like, this is confirmation. This is right. And you keep going and things spiral. Um, Exercise was something that I would either be fully into hardcore like compulsive and not just like we're not talking like light stuff or like like hardcore like gonna pass out my body feels like rubber like really intense workouts um and that came from all or nothing thinking as well which is so common with eating disorders so yeah exercise was to burn off food to compensate for what i ate to strive for a smaller body it was really intense. It was not, it was not fun, not by any means. It was it was intense. And sometimes, uh, I think I shared in a few last episode that I would do that with my dad. My dad would take me to the gym. He'd take me to the gym with him. He still goes to the gym multiple times a week. He would take me with him. And it was kind of like, okay, so this is like, I'm getting, you know, dad's happy with me. He's seeing me work out. He thinks that's what people should do. He's glad I'm doing it. Um, like I'm, he didn't know I wasn't really eating very much at the time, but he was all he saw was I'm moving my body, I'm eating differently, I'm smaller, and that's like stamp of approval. And again, that's backed up by society and everyone around you giving that stamp of approval. So I just I leaned into that. And then because I was working out so intensely, I just would get it, I'd fall out of it. I'd be like, I don't want to do it. Like it sucks. And then I would just avoid it and then be like, okay, well, I feel like I have to do it and we get back into it. So I cycled through that for a very, very long time. Um and it was all it was always just to feel, to, to fit a body ideal. It was never about my well-being or my true happiness or health. It was always just something that I felt like I should do. And then, you know, like my eating disorder evolved. I know a lot of people kind of maybe just have like one set of behaviors. Mine, I've been through all of them. I went through just like only restricting and compulsive exercise. And then it evolved into binging and purging. And then, um, it, later in my 20s, and it evolved to just binging and not really moving a lot because I've been so traumatized by <laughs> exercise in the past. 
Um, so that's how food and exercise have tied into my my history and trying to fit a body ideal. That's really all it was ever for. And how has that changed? Like, how do you see it differently today? God, I mean, I don't believe that me or anyone has to shrink their body. Um, I don't care <laughs> what society says. I know the harm that it has put me and others through. So I just don't really give a shit at this point, like to to try and make my body smaller to eat a certain way. I I listen to my body. I nourish my body. I eat a variety of foods. I practice intuitive eating. I do what feels good to me. I learning how to like I've learned how to cook over the last few years and never knew how to cook. Like um so I've come a long way with my relationship with food and like no I don't I don't restrict anymore. I don't I'm not concerned with it. Like I just know I've been through so much treatment and healing. I just I know that that's not going to serve me and my life is so much better now without it. And movement is something I'm continuing to unpack. That's something I think I worked more on the food stuff and then movement later and I've I've learned a lot about joyful movement. And it's still something that I'm continuing to have to put a little more focus on than I think I do with food. Food, I'm a lot more comfortable natural with it now. But movement is like, okay, like I'm just trying to find what I like, do things because I enjoy them, not because I have to. And what's really interesting for me is like, I think I shared also on Fearless recently, like I'm always felt like I, like my, my big thing is going for walks or going for bike rides. I love doing that. But I still have this feeling like I have to like, tell someone like I'm gonna like text a friend like oh look at me on look at this beautiful scenery on the walk I'm on just so like people could know that I did it for some kind of validation and I think that came from like what I'm talking about with my dad like oh like dad needs to know I did something or I don't tell him anymore but like someone else needs to know I did something and now I'm just like no like I'm, if I'm really doing this for me and I really want to find the amount and type of movement that is really for me like I'm not telling anyone <laughs> um they don't need to know and that has helped a lot with reclaiming movement. And also, I think doing really short bursts of movement because I would, yeah, going to the gym with my dad, we'd go for hours, really intense workouts or really, really long bike rides out on bike paths, like always just so intense, always the extreme end. And so now, like, I'm sometimes I'm like, I'm just like, I'm out running an errand. I'm going to stop at this little path and just walk on it for 10 minutes and we're done. And sometimes I want to go longer. Sometimes I want to go shorter, but I'm being intentional to be like, no, it doesn't have to be like the longest thing ever. It can just be. And I really try to think of like, it's not, yeah, it's not about physical. It's just about like, I do enjoy moving my body and I find um, joy and gratitude when I can move my body and be out in the world and what my body does for me. So it's a moment of body appreciation and just being out in the world. I love being in nature. So it's very like connecting. And I think that's the main draw for me above moving my body is the actual nature that's different yeah yeah yeah. just being out there (laughs) or like what it yeah like what is it paired with so it's movement and like this scenery connection and connection yeah yeah that's cool so it sounds like it's come to a much more intuitive and intentional place and not approval seeking and validation seeking external kind of thing yeah yeah and that's been it's still something i'm being very intentional about and it's taking some work, but we're making progress and I'm excited for more progress and yay. <laughs> yay. <laughs> what has, you know, having a really extreme focus on trying to control your body, trying to change your body, what has that cost you in your life? A lot. <laughs> oh my God. It just took away. It took my confidence. It took my self-worth. And when you don't have confidence, you don't have self-worth. 
it's hard to really excel in life or have deep connections when you just feel so deeply that something is wrong with you because of your body. Like you literally just want to stay hidden. Um, it took, like I have spoken a bit about alcohol. I'm a few years sober from alcohol now. I used alcohol. It took to cope with feeling terrible about my body. Um, that So it took sobriety and like peace and health for me in that way because addiction has been another aspect of hell that I've had to deal with on top of, you know, a number of other things. So it, it took sobriety. It took peace for me. It took opportunities. It took true, deep connection, romantic and otherwise. It really just kind of was like, um, like a, I was like a muted version of myself. I wasn't at my full potential or my full expression of who I am because I felt like I felt like I wasn't good enough there was something wrong with me I was too fat I just have to stay hidden try and fix that but now nothing needs to be fixed I know that now Hmm. no yeah I uh I like that muted version it like makes me think of like listening to like a television show or something like (laughs) on low and you're like I can't hear it like I want to you know like I want to like really hear it yeah I was trying to think of a good I almost said dumbed down and I was like no I'm not I'm not dumb (laughs) I wasn't (laughs) then (laughs) yeah I'm not I'm not gonna claim that (laughs) yeah Uh, (laughs) what you know what steps have you taken maybe like your early first initial steps or some steps along the way that have helped you repair your body image um I'm trying to think of what that started um like when did you actually know like my body isn't the problem like when did you start to realize mm, because i think for so long there can be just this full like illusion that you don't even see the truth of like the matter like the food's not the issue like like yeah you don't you know the dieting doesn't work you know like all of that like uh when did that you know whole Mm. illusion start to fall and then when did you start to take steps from there yeah i mean it was it was an unfolding it's not something that just like happened overnight. Um, starting treatment, like I did a 14-week outpatient treatment program. And I remember they gave us a list of affirmations. Shout out affirmations. We love those around here um, about <laughs> <notes>. your body. <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember for the first time, like seeing these things written down, like, like, thank you, body, for what you do for me. Like, I'm grateful that my legs move me around, or you know, I'm grateful that my body is how I like experience life. And I just like I'd never heard anything like that before. It's like, what do you mean my body is more than just something I have to try and shrink to feel good enough? Like, what is this? So I think my eyes were opened to that the first time in that program. And then just continuing to expose myself to other people in recovery. Um, There's a lot of like recovery influencers, I guess you could say, people who are in recovery or have a lot to share. And they continue to share these kind of messages and just really just pondering them. I maybe didn't necessarily always believe like the the messages that I hear that your body's not your worth or also a lot of stuff that I've learned about like, okay, being fat doesn't automatically mean you're unhealthy. And there's like a morality around that. That was something else that I, you know, you, you hear the opposite for so long and it took time for me to to ponder and consider a different way. So I think it was just an unfolding over a period of a few years and podcast help. <laughs> I listen to the Recovery Warrior shows and you can just like you can hear people talking about it with their voices or reading people online or hearing other people in recovery and like support groups kind of just sharing these these things little by little and and over time it just it, it made sense. It was a it was a gradual unfolding. Um 
it's not easy. You have to, again, you're letting go of like a lifetime of what you thought was truth. But just seeing the peace that I felt or the freedom that came from these other perspectives. And when I really felt them and considered like, wow, like, okay, maybe it's true that I'm, you know, my body's not my worth. I don't need to shrink my body. Like imagine that. And to even just have a little taste of that other side makes you want to go for more. And then after time, um, it's become my whole being and ethos. I know it now. I know it. (laughs) It's wisdom, right? Once it's integrated, it's like, this is wisdom. Yes. Well, what has come into your life more now that you're not so focused on you know, judging and changing your body and you have all this you know, mental, emotional, physical uh, capacity now, resources? Yeah. Um, I think at first, and this may sound more negative than I intended, it kind of freed up room for other mental struggles to take the forefront, but I needed them to because I've had multiple things to address I have struggled with an eating disorder, addiction. Um, I've been diagnosed with OCD, complex PTSD. And so it was it's wonderful and it's still wonderful that I made so much progress with eating disorder. And then I kind of had a the other things came to the forefront and I've been working on those as well. And it's all been part of my mental health healing journey. Um, and it's hard to separate those things sometimes because they all really play into each other. But the eating disorder was the first thing that I really, <laughs> really intentionally tackled and and sought treatment for. And then everything else has come after. And just from healing all of these things has brought me cry <sighs> because it's a good thing. <laughs> it's like I'm so I I just I'm living the life that I never thought I could live. Like when I was feeling like I was living in hell, struggling with an eating disorder, addiction trauma and just having all these maladaptive behaviors and really intense feelings and so much shame and just thinking like, I just wish I could be normal. You know, what what does that mean? But for me, what I was longing for was just a life of not feeling like total crap every day, (laughs) like a little more joy in my life, a little more connection, a healthy relationship, um, the ability to work and hold a job consistently. Not that anyone has to do that. Some people have to financially, but I'm, I mean, it's not like part of your worth, but I, I value achievement. I value working. I value growing. And that's something that I, I wanted that I didn't have because my mental health had made it hard for me to hold a job. So I was like, I just want to work. I just want to be someone who can just like eat normally and not hate themselves and have just a simple life. Like I'm not asking for a lot, <laughs> just as long as all my needs are met and I have like relative peace and freedom that's all I want. And I do feel like I have that now. And that doesn't mean like my life is perfect. Like I still, there's still struggles, hard things still happen, but the way that I handle it is completely differently. Like my life is not free from pain. I've had some hard things happen last year. I had some amazing things happen last year, but what's really different is like, it's me because life is always going to (laughs) happen. It's been happening. It's going to happen. There's going to be great things and hard things and everything in between. Um, But the difference is me and I'm I feel peaceful. That doesn't mean I'm always happy. I have hard days. Sometimes I'm tired. Sometimes I'm grumpy. Sometimes I'm stressed. Um, but I don't I just deal with it entirely differently. I have much healthier coping skills compared to before. Yeah. So it sounds like, too, like your internal belief systems have shifted in many ways, too, huh? Oh, I would say so, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's like it feels like a night and day difference. And I'm I'm happy. I'm happy that I'm here because again, it's what I this is what I longed for. Never knew if it was possible 
or if I was capable or even deserving. Um, wow. It's so crazy to just like think back on it because it's so gradual. But to look back, it's like it, I'm really living a, a night and day difference of a life. And just my whole inner world is so, so much better. Love it. <laughs> what is your biggest body image healing milestone? <laughs> I've been pondering this one. I knew this question was going to come up before the show. So I've been like pondering it. I'm trying to think. Um, okay. I used to, I mean, I've always been a part of a lot of online communities. Um, like online, like even when I was a kid, I remember being like on chat rooms, like talking to other kids about like full house and stuff like that. Like back in the nineties, like I've always just been on online communities and making friends with people. And that has been, I, to this day, I still do that. And uh, there's been a lot of people who I have met in person over the years. Like my husband's one of them. <laughs> and there's also been some really good friends who, you know, I connected with. And I am glad that I did that. And there's also been a lot of friends that I, who wanted to meet up in person or even like potential romantic interests who wanted to meet up in person. And I was like, hell no. You know, um, my body image journey ebbed and flowed. So I guess it just depended on like where I was at that time or my connection with that person, if I felt safe to meet them in person or not. I've met a lot of online and friends in person, like dozens. <laughs> so it just depends. Like sometimes I'd be like, okay, like I feel comfortable doing this. Well, not comfortable, but I'm uncomfortable and I'm going to do it anyway. Or there's just somewhere where it's just like, hell no, like you will see my body. You will hate me. You will think I'm disgusting. You won't want to be my friend anymore. Like I didn't say that to them, but that, that's how I felt about it. And it's just like, I would make up other excuses. <laughs> and it's like, no, I just don't want to, I don't want to do that. So, um, and also part of that was like, I wouldn't share pictures of myself online. I used to be part of this online community where like a bunch of us would do a group video chat together. And I, okay, if you're listening, you won't be able to see this, but I'm going to demonstrate it for Jessica. I would only go on chat like this, like I'm lifting up my camera and you can like only see the top of my head. <laughs> Like you can only see my forehead. And it was became a joke with the community. Like, we only know that she's just a talking forehead. Like, I wouldn't, I don't want to show myself on camera, on picture, video. And that was something like connecting with people online and in person, like, has always been something that I've really liked. And it always sucked feeling held back in that way. Like, I'm not getting as much of the connection or like I'm missing out. Um, and then through some healing. Um, I remember the first time I like even with people I know I didn't post pictures on like my personal Instagram. I hated showing pictures of myself. And for the first time in like many years after some treatment and feeling better about my body and my eating disorder, I remember the first time I posted a picture and it was scary and it was liberating. And I'm like, oh my God, like I just want to be those people who one of those people who can just take a picture and share what they're up to. And now I'm like, I think I like annoy my friends with how much I take pictures. I'm like, I don't hate myself anymore. Let's take pictures. <laughs> like every time I go home, I'm like, we're, we're at dinner. Take a picture. We're on a walk. Let's take a picture. Like we're at the store. Let's take a picture. Like, <laughs> I'm just like obsessed with it now. Um, I'd have a lot. Like, it's exciting for me. And so that's one big milestone. And along with that comes with like meeting more people in person online. I still do that. <laughs> and I feel way better about it. Like I'm part of a, I've talked about my, Ellie and AJ love and being part of their fan community. I've met so many people in the last years. And um, and again, sometimes in the past, sometimes I would do it, sometimes I wouldn't. But now I have like, I'm like, whatever. Like everyone already knows what I look like. So there's no surprises because I'm always posting pictures of myself. So that's whatever. And I meet everyone. And 
I think one of the biggest um, milestones was a couple of years ago when I was kind of experimenting with like being a little more present, showing myself or meeting people was making the decision to meet my husband in person because I had missed potential romantic connections that could have gone further. And they were like, you know, I've had guys be like, come meet up with me. Like, let's hang out. I want to meet you in person. And I'm like, no, I can't. That's way too scary. You will hate me. I will lose everything. And no. And so meeting my husband and making the decision to be like, you know what? Like, maybe all my worst fears will come true. I don't know. Um, But I'm going to go for it. So here I am now, still in the U.S., almost five years later, and we're married, and it went well. <laughs> That's amazing. That takes, yeah, it takes a lot of courage to take a step away from the online space the, and be able to, like, go in person and meet these people. And yeah. I just want to say, like, I love your Instagram because there's so much joy in your photos. Like, when you post, like, it's just like this I see like little Andrea, just like the inner child, just like, ah, you know, like, <laughs> like I'm free, you know, like I'm free to be me. Uh, it is just has this beauty to it. Just so like, radiant and just fun and alive. And like what you're saying there, I can really, I can see it. Thank you. I feel excited yeah. about it. And and I think maybe, maybe it'll calm down my excitement of sharing pictures um but for right now i'm having fun with it because i just felt like it was something that i couldn't do and i wanted to do and now i'm like hell yeah and i'm like like do i have a double chin in this photo yes and i'm going to share it instead of being like no i could never share that like i don't care i just want to share me and my life and my essence and i do feel free and thank you that's very sweet <laughs> yeah make me so judgmental on ourselves with like photos like i've come back to photos that i judge so hard in the moment so hard and then i'm like mm. that was a good photo <laughs> like, i know why was i judging it so hard <laughs> i know <laughs> i look back at some pictures of myself when i was younger and i'm like how did i never want to show this i'm like i look fine <laughs> yeah like i look great <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, was there anything that helped you take that step to go meet with your husband or you know potential your suitor <laughs> your gentleman caller uh <laughs> Was there anything that like helped you like toe the line and like actually book the flight and do it? Mm -hmm. Um, I talked it through with a therapist at the time. Okay, good to do that. Something that was like I think it was just the right timing, and I, I was in a good place of healing and recovery, where we're kind of at a crossroads where I felt maybe ready to do it. I did talk it through with a therapist and kind of told them a little bit of my history, like what I shared with you of how I've missed out on meeting people I wanted to meet before and I didn't. And also, I remember I reached out to another online community because I'm always in them. I found one <laughs> for people who are in long distance relationships. And I was like, how the hell do you guys get past this fear? It's so nerve wracking. Like, I really like I really want to meet this guy. We have a really special connection, but I'm just so scared. And I, I don't want to be held back by that again. And I remember one person was like, you're going to be scared. You're going to get on that plane going to book the flight and you're going to be scared as hell while you're doing it and you can't expect to not be scared it's scary so it's kind of just saying to me what i'm always saying on fearless which is feel the fear and do it anyway and that just it really clicked with me it was like okay like i can't expect to not be scared about this or not worry um and it was scary and it was exciting and it was worthwhile and it was wonderful and also i felt really um safe emotionally to explain to him kind of what I was feeling through and talk it through with him. And so just having his support and encouragement was really helpful as well. 
What do you appreciate most about your body? Um, that it is my vessel to take me through life because life is beautiful. It's hard. It's amazing. And uh, it's my vessel. It's how I connect with people. It's how I get to have wonderful experiences. And I'm so freaking grateful for it. If your body could be like, uh, what would it be? Like a car, a ship, a spaceship? This isn't on the, <laughs> this isn't a scripted question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Okay. A, uh, no, I'm feeling this. I'm feeling a horse drawn um, carriage. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, something in-, in the air. Something in the okay. air. Oh, airplane. Not, not. Yeah, but like not. I don't, I don't know what kind of plane. Or am I like, like a a hang glider? <laughs> yeah. Awesome. <laughs> there we go. I'm a hang glider. I'm colorful. I'm fun. I'm floating. I am free. That is. That, there we go. <laughs> Love it. What is something you know now that you wish younger you would have heard when developing her beliefs about her body? Oh, my God. So many things. Like, my body is not my worth. That really was the crux of everything. I thought my body defined my worth, and a smaller body meant I was more worthy, and I had a bigger body, therefore I was not worthy. So I think that's first and foremost. If I could just know that from the start, like, (laughs) I probably wouldn't have had an eating disorder. Um. I was born big. I was always meant to be big. <laughs> and that's okay. Um, also, I think just knowing like dad is wrong. <laughs> what he's saying is a symptom of something he's struggling with himself. And I don't think he ever intended to cause harm to me. I think he meant well and was perpetuating a lot of societal things around <clears throat> health and beauty that is still pretty common. Um, but just to know that these messages that I hear, you know, from society that dad confirms they're, they're wrong. They're wrong. And to know that from the beginning would have been so nice. I know it now, but God's know it from, pardon me, but to know it from a different time in life, like early would have been nice. Um, and I think just to know that like, it's okay to be different, to not look like the societal beauty ideal. Cause I remember, uh, I don't know, like every, every we have different listeners at different ages, but like when I was a teenager in the 2000s, it was really prominent to have like celebrities that were really thin and like there was a lot of gossip about like, oh, do they have an eating disorder? And then you go online and you would see like harmful communities um, around eating disorders, like pro ana groups. They were called pro anorexia, which is very controversial. And I got caught up in those sometimes. And they would talk, like post pictures of these celebrities. And, like these are our thin spo, and they were always like, really skinny um blonde blue hair white and i'm like you know i'm like a little fat tall native kid like brown hair i don't look like them and i just felt so like everything in the media was just has presents this beauty ideal and all the people that i looked up to as like celebrities and entertainers looked this way and i just was like i just felt like i had to be that and i wanted to be that so badly but i'm the whole time i'm just trying to fit a square peg in a round hole that's not me that was never supposed to be me and to know that from the beginning that like this is a very small selection of society and people that are being put on a pedestal that everyone is looking at but to really look around you and be like you know the the world is beautiful variety and body sizes and there's no right or wrong and it's okay that you don't look like all these people in the movies or the magazines you're not supposed to and thankfully you know the world is getting a little better I think with representation that way so that is one way <laughs> things are improving there's still a long way to go but I, I was very like 
one specific type of look you'd kind of see everywhere in movies and media. Hmm. Yeah, we haven't talked about this on the show, I think, ever, but you're you're native, right? Like what's the the indigenous, native, native American. Well, native Canadian, but (laughs) I say Native American here. Um yeah, my mom is she is Cree. My dad is a white guy with British ancestry from Nova Scotia. (laughs) So I'm I'm mixed, but yeah, I am I'm indigenous. Yeah. (laughs) I know. I I have to tell people I don't always look like it. Some people see it and some people are surprised when I tell them. No, when you take off your glasses, it's like, whoa, like like the glasses like. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Yeah. What would you say to folks struggling to believe that they can be happy and healthy in their bodies no matter what they look like? Um, That I don't blame you for struggling to feel that way because how could you not? We're told that by doctors, the media, the internet, like everywhere, Um, and it, but it's bullshit. It really is. Um, take the time to learn other perspectives. There's a lot of resources where you can learn the truth about, you know, like health and weight. There's a lot of books and podcasts and influencers and all kinds of things that you can take in different people sharing different perspectives that kind of open up your mind to the idea that, you don't have to look a certain way or be a certain size to have a good life or to be worthy. So just keep, just be curious, stay curious and keep going. These things are ingrained from us, you know, as I'm describing here from a very young age, six, seven, eight years old. And I'm sure that's the same for almost everyone. And it takes time to unlearn that. You're really unlearning it and learning a new, better way of being. Um, just keep going, keep going one step at a time, consider different possibilities. I've been there. I know it sucks. Know that you're worthy. It can get better. I promise you it's not easy, but it can be done. And you can do hard things because if you've lived with an eating disorder and body image struggles, you're already doing hard things and you're still here. So I know you can do hard things that can maybe get you a better future too. You're such an inspiration, Andrea. I love hearing more of your story and yeah, seeing you come full full circle from being a listener of the podcast <laughs> and now being your own like a host on the podcast channel, which is just so rad that you have really taken this healing journey serious and have taken it step by step and are where you're at today. It's just a testament of what's possible. Thank you. I appreciate you. Sometimes I'm like I'm like like I'm having this moment right now. I'm like I'm looking at you and you're talking about how you used to listen to the show and I'm like just imagine like Andrea seven or so years ago, all like excited, but nervous and scared and on shaky ground with recovery, but taking that little step and listening to the podcast and being like, oh, Jessica's cool. These people she talks to are cool. This is so cool and helpful. And now I'm like, I'm here. I'm talking with Jessica. <laughs> like it is such a full circle moment and it's really cool. And thank Andrea's you. Thank you for the kind cool. words. You're cool. <laughs> oh, thank cool. you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, lovely listener. Your body is a powerful and amazing instrument whose job is to carry you through this world and help you experience life. And so we are here for you. Subscribe and continue to follow this series and come join us on the path to body freedom and learn what it means to fully live in your body, regardless of your shape, your size, or the number on the scale. Go to recoverywarriors.com slash beyond to request an invite to apply for Beyond Body. This is our six-month body image accelerator program for professional women 
with a history of an eating disorder. So once again, that's recoverywarriors.com slash beyond. We would love to connect with you close and up personal week after week for many months and many moons to do this deeper healing work together. And it's been great having you here, Andrea. Thank you so much for being a part of this. <laughs>